everyone, welcome to Parenting Today. Before we get to part two of my episode with Kurt that we recorded on binge watching, I wanted to let you know that season three of The Local Youth Worker will air new episodes beginning this Monday, January 14th. I also wanted to remind you about our student podcast, which is airing Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, so be sure to check that out. Here's the rest of my conversation with Kurt. Hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone, welcome back to Parenting Today. Kurt, how's it going? It's going good. It's still 2018, but we're acting like it's 2019. Let's go. That's right. And uh, if you tuned in on Tuesday, you know that Kurt and I are talking about binge watching. And as we always do, we, we talked about some of the creational good of binge watching. I mean, we, we defined it. Um, and uh, then we got into the fall and uh, we're continuing our discussion on the fall and then getting into restoration a little bit. So, Kurt, let's start off. I think this will be a good place to, to begin. Is is binge watching simply idolatry? And don't give just a one word answer. Uh, why don't you give yes. us? A, <laughs> it, it, you know, is is it idolatry? Yeah, we know that. Again, just some of the definition is you know enjoying or participating in something to excess. So is this just, you know, again, um, idolatry, Kurt, what do you think? Well, I mean, I definitely think it can be gluttony. There's no question about that. Um, you know, when we think about gluttony, we think about food. Uh, we think about, um, you know, eating uh, you know, uh, the worship of, you know, the feeling of the taste and the, the feeling of being full and all those things. And I definitely... I think that's the sin, the the deadly of the seven deadly sins is probably the one that most uh, most correlates with binge watching is the idea of gluttony. But yeah, I think definitely binge watching can be idolatry. Uh, I don't I don't really think of it like that. Um, I don't think of binge watching as uh, worshiping something um, other. Other than God, I, I think of binge watching more as stealing and gluttony and selfishness just because it's taking a ton of time away from things that God might have you be doing. Um, and we want to make the best use of the time, as Paul says in Ephesians. It's indulging. Uh, it's not about what you're necessarily engaged in because you can binge watch a documentary on, you know, the archaeological finds of, you know, whatever. I mean, you can binge watch. It's not about the content. It's not about the content. It's a, to me, it's about what you're not doing instead of binge watching. But, but um, I guess, causing, you know, as we yeah. think back to our sports episode, which Kurt and I both said, we felt like we were a little too hard on sports. So maybe a little disclaimer there. If you listen to that episode, we needed to no, critique not it. Too- no, I think, well, I mean, this is a good time to talk about this, but I think we'll have to do this with binge watching too, is that, you know, a lot of people are just really comfortable in the idolatry of sports. Yes. And so you have to kind of be a little brazen to shake people out of that, like, stupor of sports are the most important thing. And the same thing is true about binge watching. We're just so comfortable doing it mm-hmm. um, because everything is set up for us to do it, um, you know, and to, for us to keep binge watching and to ignore other things. And so we kind of have to be a little harsh about the fact that, um, you know, well, that, about binge watching, we need to, we, we kind of have to put it through the ringer, but not because, 
um, it's the worst sin, you know, or not because sports are the worst thing, but it's because it's it's actually because they're the least worst thing. It's because they're things that people are so comfortable with that um, they become a big part of, a, you know, someone who professes to be a Christian's life. Yeah, life. That, that, yeah. that's well said for sure. And, and the reason I brought up sports is one of the ways we said you, you define your idols or you see what your idols are, are your, your, your calendar, what you give time to. Yeah. So what you just mm-hmm. said is, you know, you look at it as stealing uh, because you're, you're robbing time from something else you, you could be doing. And so at yeah. the same time, though, if we are giving a lot of time to something, binging, then that would, you know, be an idolatry by that definition of, you know, what we devote ourselves to or give our time to. Um, it would it would be an idol for sure. And so, mm. you know, as we said, and, uh, you know, just continuing to repeat the uh, Calvin uh you know, John Calvin saying our hearts are idol factories. And we know that we take anything and everything and, and turn it into an idol. And that oftentimes it's very good things, things that we can enjoy and we turn them into idols. And so clearly, yes, this is a form of idolatry we need to be aware of. And like you just said, it's not like it's always idolatry. We can watch you know, several episodes of something and maybe we've worked really hard, you know, for in one week and we think, you know what, I'm at the end of the week, I'm going to carve out some time and I'm going to watch several episodes of this show and just have some, some downtime doing that. And that can be a good thing, but we do need to see that oftentimes. And especially Kurt, let's, let's talk about this as, as parents. Um, and again, we're not completely leaving the fall discussion on this, but this might get into some redemption, but, but how can we be discipling our students as youth workers, but then also parents, uh, their children, uh, binging episodes. You know, if we have preteens and teens just sitting there watching episode after episode, and again, these are very young hearts and minds, uh, binging something, I mean, that that's probably not a good practice. So how do you think we can kind of help them process this, think through it, practice enjoying a show without binging it or turning well, it think, into an I, idol? I think that's a good question, and I think I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself right here. But when I was in high school and in college, uh, whenever we would take a test, um, a written exam, I would always pull the staple out of the test and I would take all the pieces of paper and I would set them out in front of me and I would just decide on one page to start. And I always said to myself, this is kind of me psyching myself up to do well on the test. And this reveals a little bit about, you know, the, my simple nature, but I'd be like, I'm not going to let this professor tell me how to take this test. I'll take it whichever way I want to take it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know? that, that's wanna, pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah, well, you know what? When I started doing it, I started making a lot better grades. Um, lots of times they have the answers to previous questions, like later on in the test. Um, right. So I just I would just do the parts that I wanted to do in the order that I wanted to do it. And I, it kind of gave me just this modicum of control over – I mean, I'm in a test, and when you're taking a test, you're not in control. The test giver is in control, and you're trying to take the test. And so it gave me just a little bit of control. It gave me a little confidence. I'd be like, look, I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. You can't – you know, there's no rule against me unstapling this test. Did, um, did you yeah. did you turn it in all jumbled up, or did you kind of try to put it back I, together? I, I would put it back in the order that it was supposed to be in, if you could tell, or if I if you couldn't, then I wouldn't. But it was always just a little like it was a little like you know how batters in the batter's box like have a little routine they do before they step yeah. in to do. It was just kind of my little thing. I'd be like, all right, well, look, I'm just not going to let him be in charge of how I do this I, or would, her. Would you yeah. throw it at him when you were done? Like just walk up to the desk and throw it at him? Yeah, I would just throw it in the air um, and be like, Cooper out. You know, <laughs> uh, a third grade teacher really enjoyed that. Uh, the, uh, 
So what did okay, you have so, to do with binge watching? Well, I was about to say is that lots of times I think w- one thing that we can do is we can teach our children and we can teach ourselves to not consume things the way that someone tells us to consume them, that we get, to, we can decide, we can decide when to, when and how to consume entertainment. Um, we have the power over it. Um, and, you know, Netflix, uh, you know, I'll just, you know, use them as an example. You know, they have it set up. So as soon as the credits of a show start rolling, a little button comes up and says, you want to watch the next episode? Um, and, you know, lots of times, and this is, you know, I, I read a book recently called Irresistible by uh, Adam Alton. I think that's the Alter, name. Alter. Alter, that's right. And, um, and he was talking about how, you know, typically these shows are set up with the last, ten, the last 10 minutes of the show is a cliffhanger that gets you to come back. And the next 10 minutes of the first show is resolves that cliffhanger and then gets into the meat of, you know, that episode. And then the last 10 minutes. And he said, well, if you wanted to get out of that, you know, uh, if you wanted to get out of that uh, binge and you didn't want to constantly feel like you had to watch the next episode, you could always just stop the show after in the middle of the episode after that cliffhanger from the previous episode is resolved. And as soon as it's resolved, just be like, OK, you know, they switch scenes in shows. You'd be like, OK, I'm going to stop right here and I'll pick it up again. And again, it's not. You know, I'm not trying to sit down like that's how you have to do it. Um, that's how you have to watch shows. But if you're going to watch shows, I think it is important to ask yourself, like, am I doing this? Uh, am I mindlessly doing this the way they say I have to do it? Or am I really kind of thinking about how I'm going to engage, how I'm going to partake in this thing? And I couldn't just I couldn't help but think about, you know, you know ninth grade English test. And um, mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, that. You know, the principle applies, I guess, is what I'm trying yeah, to say. That, that's helpful for sure. I mean, thinking of just not conforming to the patterns that they're they're setting up uh, for, you know, how we use their their devices. And, and, and I mean, not even that. I mean, if parents are thinking, OK, how can I, I talk to my children about this or whatever? I mean, that's that's it right there. You've at least got to have this conversation with your child and point out the idolatry that could possibly go, be going on in their hearts. But then also just asking the question and this, you know, get us gets us into another aspect of the fall. And then, you know, we're kind of uh, getting into redemption as we have this discussion, too. But, you know, why do we binge watch? You know, what is it about binge watching? Again, it's a definition now that's been adopted by the Merriam-Webster dictionary. It's something we throw out. It's something we use. And so kind of digging down into hard issues, you know, what is it that's uh, creating, that's Again, making this cultural phenomenon and the fact that we're having a podcast talking about this, what what it is about it. And I would think one thing, I mean, it's interesting. Actually, I've got a few thoughts, Kurt, but then before I say that, I don't want to lead you down that path. Do you have any thoughts before I say it? Why why do you think people binge? Oh, man. I mean, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's, you know, laziness, but also I think it's just efficiency and, um, you know, I think some people probably get in the bed and they have their iPad or their phone or their tele if they have a television in their room and they just watch they start watching shows until they get really sleepy and they turn it off and that's where they you know that's how they go to sleep, which is by the way not a real healthy way to go to sleep. But um, the uh, uh, you know, I, I, man, I think there's a lot of reasons why people binge watch. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I guess you know, part of what I was going to say. Did I just cut you off? No, you're good. Go for it. Okay. I mean, when I was typing in <clears throat> binge watch, 
in Google and I was hitting the letter D, you know, to, uh-huh. <laughs> Kurt's laughing that I just said Google and I was hitting the word D for definition. Um, it was uh-huh. interesting that, you know, Google just popped up possibilities of what I'm talking about. And it says binge watch depression. And, mm. you know, there, there was an article, uh, you, you know, entitled, let me see. Is that, is that a show? Is yes, it show? is. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the, the title of the article is just binge watching leaves you anxious, stressed yeah. and lonely. And this is, this is, you know, mm. how, how it started. It says binge, binge watching your favorite TV show is bad for your mental health and stops you from sleeping. A new survey suggests more than half of people surveyed admitted they experienced mental health issues after completing a series of the 2000 people surveyed. Uh, in this certain article, those aged 18 to 24 were five times more likely to feel lonely, three times more likely to feel depressed, and twice as likely to feel anxious, sleepless, and empty. And so, you know, as we've said so many times on parenting today, as well as the local youth workers, just d- depression is through the roof, you know, on this next generation, the iGen generation that we've talked about, you know, countless times. And, and this is this is an aspect of it, is that, you know, without a doubt, we, we live in a broken world. And whether or not we're Christians or, you know, unbelievers, we realize this world is broken. Uh, that we've got, again, we've got this, um, you know, we all have souls that will never die. And our souls are clothed in, you know, a broken body and we live in a broken world. And so our souls know, okay, this isn't how it was supposed to be, that there's something wrong. And we as Christians know we're to be seeking refuge ultimately in the Lord uh, through prayer, through his word, through community around believers for sure. But an aspect of the fall drives us into, I mean, binge watching for sure. That that it's a, you know, form of distraction. Uh, that if life is tough, I mean, let's just take a, a student for example who has a tough day, is picked on, is bullied at school, uh, they're made fun of on social media. They just, you know, put in the earbuds and get on Netflix and just start binging a show just to kind of escape the brokenness uh, that they're dealing with and to, to just try to distract themselves from it. So they're seeking refuge in that show. Um, and so maybe we could say as Christians, you know, from that article I just read, so when the show ends, they have to come back to reality. And then it leaves them feeling anxious, sleepless, depressed. And so we, we, we need to see as Christians that this is a reality, that a lot of us are binging to escape certain aspects of our lives. And again, as I said, escapism can be a good thing. It's good to escape into a story, but it can also be a bad thing. Uh, again, if we're not dealing with the hard issues down there, we're just putting band-aids over the issues and we're trying to escape, you know, uh, sadness, be it a, a difficult marriage, spouses just kind of binging and not really talking and hanging out with each other or students who are just trying to escape certain aspects of their, their life that that's hard, whatever it is. Uh, we've got to see that that is an aspect of, are binging. Uh, Kurt, you want to react to that? I know I've talked a lot. Yeah, no, it's fine. I I was just saying it's ironic that we have all these devices and all these new things that were not part of the culture maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And all of them, you know, the iPhone itself is only 11 years old. So uh, I guess 12 in 2019, it'll be 12 years old. But, you know, all these things are supposed to make our life better. And we just keep getting sadder and sadder and sadder. And we can't really explain why. And you know, I'd say, again, one way in which uh, maybe to redeem media, but also, you know, to redeem binge watching 
is that, uh, you know, parents, and this goes without saying really, but I'm going to say it, parents need to be watching the shows that their children are watching, um, you know, and you need to be involved in what your student is watching. And if your student is binge watching shows by themselves, you know, that is a, you know, in some ways that's kind of like a cry for help. Uh, that's a cry that, uh, you know, what is it, what are they getting out of that? What are they getting out of, out of that show? But also what are they getting out of the experience of being away from everyone else with their, you know, their earbuds in over in the corner watching, you know, you know, Parks and Rec seasons over and over again. I mean, are they watching it because everyone's telling jokes from Parks and Rec and they want to be a part of the jokes? Or are they watching it because they don't have any joy in their real life and they can only find joy in this solitude that they build around these, you know, characters, you know, they're now off the air, but I, and I, we ought to be asking these kind of questions. We're not really asking them. Instead, we're like, Oh, isn't it cool? We can watch all these episodes at once. Um, <laughs> we don't have to wait. Uh, and I don't know. I think along with many other technical advance, technological advances that, um, that we haven't, they haven't been around long enough. This is another problem with binge watching is that binge watching just hasn't been around long enough for us to really see the bad, the, the side effects of that, that we haven't, you know, when people discovered drugs, when, you know, when, when people discovered, you know, morphine or cocaine, they thought it was the answer to life. Like, Oh, well now I can walk, uh, you know, that my 80 year old, friend who couldn't walk took cocaine and now he went on a 10 mile walk and he feels great and like they thought you know a lot you go back and watch the you know my friend was killed or not killed my friend was injured in in a battle and now they have morphine and, and he can walk around but they just didn't know the side effects as time went on and they saw all the side effects that involved in these substances they were like well well it's not this magical solution to our problems anymore and may, there are these drawbacks that we hadn't thought about yet. And I think that, you know, you think about, you know, smartphones and binge watching, certainly that's the case. Certainly they have not been around. This has not been around long enough for us to see all the harmful side effects that could possibly be waiting for us, you know, in a generation that only knows how to consume media by watching it for hours on end by themselves. Yeah, yeah that's good. And I know, I mean, just thinking of uh, a definition of technology, I heard one time, and it's basically, you know, uh, paraphrasing here, technology is a solution to a problem. And, and so it's implying brokenness, okay, that there's a problem out there in technology. Mm -hmm. We're going to advance in certain ways to solve this certain problem. And I guess what we could say kind of in, in biblical terms is that all of these are, you know, we're, we're trying to think of new gospels to come out. You know, whatever mm -hmm. the problem, whatever the issue is, we're, we're thinking, okay, this is going to fix my issue. This is going to fix my problem. Any sadness, lack of joy I have, I can, you know, put in a television show and have some joy. And so a, sensor, a sensory solution to a spiritual problem. Yeah. You know, the problem is a spiritual one, but we're trying to solve it with empirical things, with things that we can touch, taste, smell, and see and hear. So, um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's well said. And so we just need yeah. to, we need to be aware of that as Christians is that, Again, I hope in this discussion people are hearing us say, hey, it's okay to watch television series. It's okay to watch multiple episodes at one time. We do as Christians have to be cautious of our own heart, have to be thinking about our own heart, and then also be talking to the next generation about their hearts because they are not aware of this. 
And uh, mm. we've, we've got to be, you know, having those discussions. And so, I mean, Kurt, why do you think there are those parents out there who are just okay allowing their child to just go up in their bedroom and just sit there for hours and binge watch and there's no discussion going on, there's no conversation uh, taking place in the home? What, what are some of those reasons why you think parents might not be engaged in this? Well, I mean, if I want to be generous, I'd say that uh, those parents are just sinking. They're trying, they're, they're treading water, trying to keep their heads above water, uh, maybe financially, spiritually, socially. They're, they've got their own struggles going on, and they just they, they don't have enough energy and time to constantly be dealing with their children's struggles, too. That's the generous definition of that. The less generous uh, uh, diagnosis of that problem is that they're simply just lazy and they um, are would rather as long as their kids are not out like doing drugs or, you know, I don't know what, you know, for each parent, it's going to be different. But as long as my kid's not doing that, that's great that they're, you know, that that's why so many, you know, younger children are exposed to screens at a young age when they shouldn't be is because an iPad is a great babysitter. Um, and, you know, I say that sarcastically, but, you know, you can sit a child in front of one of those things and they will mess with it and mess with it for, and you can do the dishes or you can just sit on the couch and not have to constantly be telling them to quit drawing on the walls or I don't know, whatever it is, uh, the same. So, you know, generously, I would say, you know, some parents are just like, they're just struggling. They're like, look, you know, I, I want to fight the battles that I ha- that I need to fight. You know, I'm trying to get them to go to church and, to, uh, you know, to, to not drink or, engage in sexual activity or not cheat and on their tests or, you know, to do good in school. And I just can't fight the binge battle. Like that's not about, I don't want to die on that hill. So that's the generous, but the not generous one is that, you know, parents would just rather their kids like them and out of laziness, they're just like, Hey, you know, I'm going to let them do that. Um, because I don't feel like, you know, because I value myself more than I value them. They would never say that out loud, but that's, mm-hmm. that's the, but, you know, that's, that's another way to think about it. Yeah. And as we would both say, I mean, both of us being parents, I mean, <laughs> parenting is exhausting. I mean, it sucks the life out of you. And so, oh, it's so easy for me, John. <laughs> so, so easy. I've never had any <laughs> str- struggles whatsoever. So I like to say that if you're struggling as a parent, you're not doing it right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, that is sarcasm at its sarcasticness. I don't know. I don't know how to say it, what I'm trying to say, but it was very uh, sarcastic. Yes. Yeah. Extremely um, sarcastic. Yeah. But yeah. And so at it's, the end of the it's day, it's exhausting. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just like, goodness gracious, let's just let them watch something. Um, you know, and parents are tired too. I mean, they're not only being parents, they're also most of them working and doing all kinds of things and hopefully involved in their church and service and all that kind of stuff. So, um, especially by the time, you know, they get to the teenage years. I mean, this has been going on for a while. And so, yeah, they're, they're exhausted. And like you said, uh, this screens can be uh, a babysitter for them. Um, and so, Kurt, we're getting, we're at 22 minutes. Um, I know we're going to start winding this down before too long, getting more. I know we've been talking about fall and restoration kind of together. Um, let's just throw, you know, should Christians use the term binge watch? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Maybe give up, give some boundaries on using that. And then we can also just maybe, uh, throw out a few other bullet point things of how we can redeem this. I, I don't have any problem with anyone. All right. This is going to be a hot take, but, um, sometimes I feel 
I, that just feels legalistic to me. To that you can't use the word binge watch. Um, it just feels that feels. I, I get the same feeling about the idea that you shouldn't use that term. That. I get when I read Jesus's reaction to how the Pharisees viewed the Sabbath. Hmm. Uh, I get that same. I, I I get that same um, idea of missing the forest for the trees. Uh, let me let me put it to you this way then: Why shouldn't a Christian use the term binge watch? Like what? I guess throwing it back on on you just one, and we could open up a can of worms, and this could take the, the remainder yeah, of the time. Do. So let's not. Let's but. Um, I mean, we, we already had a bad language episode and we said yeah. that was way more complex than, than, you yeah. know, we initially thought. And it is, I mean, there are definitely, there's legalism there and we know our hearts are naturally pharisaical, but we also know there are words we, we should not use. And so as we began the episode on Tuesday, I mean, we said that, you know, the, the entire word binge has some negative mm-hmm. connotations to it. And so I, I would just mm-hmm. say at the very least, we should be cautious in how we use it. And mm-hmm. especially, I mean, as adults, I think we can use it a little, a little more freely. But as we're talking to our children and students, I think there needs to be some some caution set up, some prefacing comments maybe uh, as we're talking to, to younger uh, believers and, uh, you know, our children, our students. Well, I guess, yeah. Look, we could get far into the weeds here. But in five minutes, we have young children. OK, both of us do. Um, some of your children are older but than mine, but we have young children. And one well, we can cut this out later if we have to cut it out. But, you know, they say don't teach your children um, like slang, cutesy terms for their private parts. Like, don't don't do that. Like, tell them to call it what it is. If they're a boy, call it a, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to use it here because I don't know if I'm getting in trouble for that. But if it's a girl, you know, like, tell them and said they're less likely to be abused um, or, you know, if, if they speak about it in a real way. But, you know, it's a real thing. And, you know, I, there was a lot there are a lot of Christians who are against that kind of language um, in the past, especially in the American South. Um you know, that rebelled against sexual education, who said, you know, uh, I was reading a, a pastor in Kentucky who was on a, a board uh, where they were discussing sexual education in, in the schools. And uh, he said a man said um, a, ma- a man objected to them using the scientific terms for, you know, for uh, body parts. Those, those body parts. And uh, the the pastor said, well, what would you have him call them? And he said, why do we have to call them anything at all? And he said, he just didn't want it to be talked about. And there's just such a dangerous, that's that Victorian style, that, that view of words really bothers me a lot. Well, and, it, um, and, and so, so I'm not saying that that's what this is, yeah. but I always think about that when I think about, um, like, should we use these terms? I, I think a, a better question than should we use the term binge watch is, should we celebrate binge watching? Um, and a better question to ask is, should we, because I like, you know, if someone is binge watching something, what else would you call it? I mm-hmm. guess what's my other alternative. If I don't call it that, what do I call it? Yeah. Uh, and I, I would agree 100% with what you just said about, you know, the, 
the cautions there of the Victorian, you know, all that, that whole argument that you just made. I think, you know, as again, you, you and I are youth workers and we're speaking in front of teenagers. I think even throwing out the word is celebrating it at times. And so all I'm saying okay. is we've just got to be cautious of, look, I know this is can have kind of some negative connotations, you know, so I just think we've got to be cautious with it. I'm not saying, I mean, what? It's funny that you even say, I'll just say this. I mean, um, off air, John and I are going to fight about this. <laughs> <laughs> We're absolutely not. But I was about to say is that I don't even use the term binge watching. I don't use it. Um, that if I'm talking to my students about that, I always say you fell in a Netflix hole. Like that's, that's what I say. Like you fought, like you go, you went and you went and jumped into a Netflix hole and, um, and you so came why, back out. Why do you do that instead of using the word? binge watch or words. I don't know. I never even thought, I never even considered it until right now. You know, like, I don't think there was anything. Um, I, I always, I guess that comes from, I would always say I could, that I would get into YouTube black holes where like, I'd be like thinking about something for a sermon. Like yeah. I was thinking about, uh, this is a while ago, but like maybe a year ago I was working on sermon and I was thinking about, um, getting knocked down boxing. Yeah. And, and I start, and I just, I just YouTube. Yeah, I just YouTube boxing knockouts, and I just fall into a YouTube black hole where I'm watching knockout after knockout after knockout, and I'm like, "This is amazing!" Like, <laughs> and then I'm like, "Why? Why was I doing this in the first place?" They, uh, you know, I look up and it's like 30 minutes have passed, and, and I've watched a, like a beard, and it's been a yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where am yeah. I? What day is it? No, look, yeah. Um, but I, yeah. So all I have to say is that that's where I that's what I say is I like, oh, you just get in the Netflix black hole or you know whatever, and. I don't know why people call it what, what they call it, um, but it wasn't a conscious choice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't yeah. that wasn't a conscious choice. I, I think it's just as we've said plenty of times, words do matter. Words are important. We've got to be cautious of how we use words. Um, and and again, this this is already adopted and it's in you know just vernacular all the time. And you know mm-hmm. five five years from now, it's not even going to be a thought. It's just going to be so adopted. So I think it's just important to pause and kind of you know, think about some of the connotations of this word. And again, just some of the practices associated with this. And so I think just, again, <clears throat> we're, we're approaching time, maybe just giving some kind of bullet point things. As we said plenty of times, um, some of the ways in which we re- redeem re- redemption and restoration, as we've talked about, is just conversations. Um, as parents mm-hmm. and as youth workers, we need to just be talking about this with our students, talking about some of the concerns, again, bringing up the idolatry in their heart, bringing up, I mean, as, as Kurt said, look, if, if you have a student who's binging all the time, or if you parents have a child who's binging all the time, that is kind of like a cry for help. Okay, what mm-hmm. is it that's just making them retreat into their room and just binge this you know, episode after episode after episode, there, there's probably some sadness going on there. There's something they're trying to escape from. So seeing that as maybe a um, an opportunity to have a conversation and uh, trying to draw them out. And, uh, you know, also maybe uh, if your child does want to watch a show, maybe, okay, a way to do that is say, well, hey, look, invite some friends over and watch several of these episodes. Let's not just do it alone or by yourself or trying to make it more of a shared experience. I mean, Kurt, again, you said parents mm-hmm. knowing the shows that your children are watching. So maybe say, okay, look, you want to watch this? Let's watch it together as a family. And I know some, some of the content of the shows, whatever could be awkward. Well, that, but, that's but a I, great, that's yeah. a great like hedge against really, uh, you know, explicit content is, you know, students don't want to watch 
bad things with their parents. Yeah. And so when <laughs> the know? parent and says, that, Hey, let's binge it. And they say, no, I don't want to. Why? You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, so yeah, look, I just gave some rapid fire ideas. Kurt, what are some thoughts for you for uh, redemption restoration? Yeah. You know, I'll just echo what you said. Uh, I was just thinking that, you know, parents, Parents just need to be aware of what their children are watching. And it's not, I'm not about the content, but also just be aware. A lot of students are, if they're allowed to do it, are staying up really late binge watching shows after their parents go to bed. Um, that's happening a lot. Uh, they will, they will, you know, they're staying up playing video games or they're staying up and uh, texting or whatever. But, and I would just say, leave your phone. Everyone should put their phones um, in the kitchen and charge them there. Don't, don't put your, don't, no one adults or anyone else should have their phones in, uh, in their bedroom. Uh, just charge them in the kitchen. You'll sleep better at night Buy an alarm clock. It's, you know, it's not that expensive, but you just need to be aware of what your students are doing. And I just think it's a great opportunity for you to say, Oh, you like this? Well, let's watch it together. And if they don't want to watch it, that is a great sign. That, you know, you need to find out why, why is it that they don't want to watch it with you? What, what are they getting out of it that they're scared to share with you? Mm-hmm. Um, and are you the kind of parent that they can be open with and say, this is what I'm interested in? Um, you know, you might find out that your student has been watching Narcos on Netflix and they want to be a drug Lord now. Um, I actually <laughs> had a student say that I'd be like, you know, being a drug Lord doesn't seem that bad. And I'm like, don't <laughs> the, hour, the hours are great. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, doesn't everyone in that show die a horribly horrific death? Like, <laughs> what, what part of that doesn't seem bad to you? He's like, they're like, yeah, but before that, you know, they're driving Ferraris and like, like okay. Well. <laughs> yeah, but right before that, as you put it, horribly horrific death. <laughs> they're driving Ferraris. Right before they were tortured to death. <laughs> it was going really well for them. And, you know, you know these, are, these shows that our students are binge watching – they are shaping their culture just as important. We started the show talking about friends and Seinfeld and loss <laughs> and these things and how they were, they were big for the people that were our age. They were a big part of our culture. Well, that, that's still happening, but it's happening on a different level in a different way. We're just binge watching and we need to be engaged with that. So, and you, and you just, you just said something that, that did strike, strike a thought. I mean, we, we should mention this. It, it's obvious to some, but Netflix does not have the same restrictions as cable television. Um, so the content on some of the Netflix shows is oh, yeah. insanely through the roof. I mean, there's yeah. all kinds of stuff. I know that there's a show that just came out recently that's on Netflix right now. I've not seen it, but I mean, there's, you know, full frontal nudity, for example. And I mean, some of that cannot even make it into R rated movies at the theater. So you should just be aware of that as parents. Yeah. And also some shows that you watched on television that were edited, for content on television, when they get on Netflix, they un they remove all that editing. So um, there's more language and more sexuality and more like explicit content than there would be that they couldn't air. And I was also, I mean, we've got to close, but I would think one of the reasons why binge watching is exploding is that content creators really enjoy um, the mode uh, Netflix, the streaming mode because they don't have to cut out as much. You know, mm. if you're making a, you know, two hour movie you've got, that's a pretty tight window every second, you know, of that, you know, 120 minutes, you've got to use every second of it to get a story down. Um, whereas there's less, uh, there's less constriction when you can do 
the same story over 10 hours, over 10, 45 minute episodes. So I don't think it's going away is all I'm trying to say. We're going to have to learn how to engage with it because I think people who make these, you know, creators who make these kind of things, they enjoy the limitless potential of not being constrained to that two hour or two and a half hour window. So yeah. that's another part too. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. And look, I know we're a little long today. It's 35 minutes right now. We're doing. We'll give few, you all few, your money back yeah. from this free podcast. <laughs> but, we're, giving to, we're giving this one to you completely free. But this is, hey, the first. Support uh, I am. <laughs> this is the first episode of, you know, season two. So, uh, you know, as you start season one and you get into season two, there are changes. <laughs> and who knows? We might go a little bit longer than 30 minutes on uh, some of our future episodes. Maybe that's something we're learning about this, Kurt, uh, where we're going to do that a little bit more, but just some cultural artifacts as we're starting to close this down. Um, but one mm-hmm. thing I want to say is you kind of, you either said this or you, it struck a thought of just a future episode that I know we're going to have. We've already said virtual reality. That's something we've got to talk about. And so Oculus is something we're going to discuss oh, yeah. at some point because I mean, I, I'm the commercials seeing, are all over yeah, the place. Seeing more and more commercials already. So we'll be talking about that soon, but then there's an article too. And and again, look on our show notes to this podcast. We'll have the direct links to everything we've mentioned on here. So if you're uh, you know, streaming this on your phone, streaming it, listening to this on, on your phone, just look in the show notes and click the, the link and it'll That's take streaming. you to. Okay. I thought it was different. You, okay. You're on it. Okay. They're streaming it through the, through the radar. <laughs> I had to work that one back in. So the, the title of the article, and this came from NBCnews.com, uh, what happens to your brain when you binge watch a TV series? Mm-hmm. And so just check that out. Could be some interesting thoughts in there. And again, the link is in our show notes. Kurt, do you want to add any cultural artifact? Yeah. All right. My cultural artifact is that uh, just last week, uh, a guy named... Kyler Murray, a quarterback for Oklahoma, won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I think the Heisman Trophy is the coolest trophy in all of sports. I think it's, you know, less than 100 people in the world have ever won the Heisman Trophy. And once you win it, you get to vote for the rest of them that won it. Um, he was a quarterback for the University of Oklahoma. He had a fantastic year. He totally deserved it um, and uh, pretty much had to carry his team. Oklahoma, not as good as uh, they have been in the past, especially on defense. So he was required to, to score a lot of points, and he scored a lot of points. The minute, the minute that he won it, USA Today released a article talking about um, unfortunate homophobic tweets from when he was 15 years old. Oh my 15. Goodness. When he was 15 years old. Um, two things to say about that. One, what you do online is never forgotten. Um, you know, they, they're recording it all. It's all there. Um, and two, um, man, we're, you talk about a culture of outrage. Uh, I know there's a pretty good book about that. Uh, but you talk about a culture of outrage, you know, the minute that anyone does something, a lifetime achievement. I mean, this is the, no matter what else Kyler Murray ever does, being a husband trophy winner will probably be the most famous thing, the thing that he's the most famous for. And the second that this like 22 year old, man wins this lifetime achievement award someone is waiting to say well don't celebrate him too much because he used you know you know a a homophobic slur when he was 15 years old Mm. man yeah so that's just that's a a lot of things to talk about that don't use homophobic slurs like don't use them i don't like the word homophobic because it makes it seem like you're scared of something that that doesn't that's that's legalistic hurt 
Yeah, well, I, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Legalistic to not like that term. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, I was joking. Uh, yeah, but uh, I don't, I don't like that term. But like, don't you know? Be careful about what you post on social media, but also realize that your students are growing up in a time. Your kids are growing up in a time where everyone is ready to go back through everything that they've said and find something problematic and just skewer them over it. And thank goodness that. Twitter wasn't around when I was in high school or in junior high and when you were in high school and junior high, or, you know, you might not have the job that you have and you might not have, because we've all made, you know, again, we're all sinners. We've all made bad decisions. Just a ridiculous, uh, just, just ridiculous. It's, that's not news. That's just someone trying to hurt someone else to make themselves famous. Um, and it, it it's just a sobering reminder of the world that we live in. Yeah. So, and I, as always, don't tweet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah. that sounds like that could uh, be a future episode as well, Kurt. So um, good, yeah, good discussion there. Good uh, point to, to bring that up. Um, yeah, and I, I guess, you know, related to that, this is just striking a, a thought as well. Um, Kevin Hart uh, was, <laughs> yeah, was, was asked to, to speak at the Oscars and then was the request was rescinded because uh, they – saw some of his jokes were homophobic as well. And um, I know he refused to apologize. He said that he's grown a lot since those comments. Uh, but, you know, that should not keep him from ever being able to host something like this. You know, but just to think of how powerful Kevin Hart is. I mean, one of, you know, he's in a movie every other weekend. A new movie comes out with him in it. And uh, that kept him from, you know, hosting the Oscars again. Shouldn't it be? Maybe they'll get rid of the Oscars altogether. <laughs> There you go. Maybe no one, no one will host it, and then they'll just get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know I will be really sad if they do that. Yes. Can you hear the sarcasm just dripping <laughs> out of my voice? Uh-huh. As someone who doesn't watch the Oscars and doesn't really like it. Again, people are just waiting to make their name off hurting someone else, and that's the culture that our children are growing up in. That For, for, for parenting today, I think that's the thing that we need to take away is not like, hey, well, don't ever offend anybody. But, hey, prepare, prepare a child to grow up in an era where people want to use their words against them. Um, even words that happened when they were idiots, when they were 12, 13, 14 years old. So, yeah. All right. That's an encouraging note to end on. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> no, like th- this has this reality for sure. And like we said, yeah. th- this is part of parenting today. I mean, even going back to the name to remind people of that, we're talking about the issues of today and the words, the, the world that we, we live in. So this is reality for sure and something we need to continue to discuss. And this has officially become our longest episode, Kurt, um, which awesome. is fine. It's good. Yeah. Kurt, why don't you take us out? It won't be a big deal that this episode was long because you're just benching it anyway. And there's my little joke and make John and John only laugh. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we're sorry that we went over. Uh, we'll give you a full refund and you can join us next week. I'm not going to say what we're going to do next week, but it could be pretty cool. That's all I'll say. Uh, see you later, John. See you, Kurt. <laughs>